seated. Any kiddos that want to go down to children's church or nursery can be dismissed now and head on down that way. Uh, it, is a, it is a beautiful Sunday outside. It's wonderful to be here with all of you today. My name is Brent Fugit. I'm the senior pastor here at Byfield Parish Church. And uh, yeah, just thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being a part of this community. Last week, we started a sermon series on emotion here at Byfield. We saw that God's emotions are perfectly aligned with every part of his being. But unfortunately, this is not the case for human emotions. We could all point to times in our lives where our emotions have been problematic. We've all struggled with emotions this week. Last night, I found myself struggling. I had been really excited. I was looking forward to watching my Tennessee Vols play against the Florida Gators. And we just got just annihilated. And I had to remind myself, like, this doesn't matter. This has no relevance to anything. I'm cheering for a bunch of 20-year-old guys for a school that I went to 20 years ago. That's an emotional struggle I was able to move past. Some of you are probably dealing with some emotional struggles as we sit here today. I am well acquainted with emotional struggles. When I was a kid, I had a really bad temper. I know many people had issues with their temper when they were young. I think I, think I might have you beat, all right? I, it was pretty bad. One of my earliest childhood memories is being about two or three years old and physically trying to throw myself out of a moving car. Not sure what happened. I think it was GI Joe related, but I, it's, I'm unclear on that part. As I aged, I kind of I matured. I developed an awareness that such self-destructive behavior was not productive. This slight growth didn't mean I no longer had a temper though. What it actually meant is I got better at stuffing my emotions down inside. From there, it would periodically just burst forth volcanically. One of the most embarrassing experiences in my life was when I was in seventh grade. I had this class and there would be dead time in class and we would play chess. And I was one of the better chess players. We were playing one day and I lost a game because of some stupid move I made. And I just threw the board and I started crying. I'm choking back tears. I'm stomping around the classroom. I mean, total rage monster, right? Acting like a complete lunatic. And I did so because I had placed part of my identity in my classmates thinking that I was smart. And so when I lost that chess game, it indicated that I wasn't smart. And that was, that was so frustrating to me, although I doubt my classmates were particularly impressed. I doubt my status went up in their eyes as they watched me stomp around the room. I had this emotional outburst 
because of my emotions, because of my identity. The reason I share this story is not just the, so you will think less of me, although you probably do, is that this story aligns with the Bible verses we will be reading today. We are going to continue where we left off last week in 1 Samuel chapter 15. Last week we were focused on the emotion of God. This week we are going to focus on the emotions of Saul, which were incredibly problematic. An irrational, as irrational and self-destructive as my 13-year-old unregulated emotions were all those years ago, Saul's emotions are much more irrational and self-destructive. In chapter 15 of Samuel, we will begin reading in verse 12 and read through verse 26. Please turn with me there now, or you can read from the screen behind me if you're not already there. Hear the word of the Lord. And Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning, and it was told Samuel, Saul came to Carmel, and behold, he set up a monument for himself, and turned and passed on, and went down to Gilgal. And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed be you to the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. And Samuel said, what then is the bleeding of sheep in my ears and the lowing of oxen that I hear? Saul said, they have brought them from the Amalekites for the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God. And the rest we have devoted to destruction. Then Samuel said to Saul, stop. I will tell you what the Lord said to me this night. And he said to him, speak. And Samuel said, though you are little in your own eyes, are you not the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel and the Lord sent you on a mission and said, go devote to destruction the sinners, the Amalekites and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you pounce on the spoil and do what was evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. I have gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me. I have brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and I have devoted the Amalekites to destruction. But the people took of the spoil, sheep and oxen, the best of the things devoted to destruction, to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. And Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to listen than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of divination, and presumption is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord in your words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now, therefore, please pardon my sin and return with me, that I may bow before the Lord. And Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you, for you have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you from being king 
over Israel. Amen. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Saul's emotions are problematic. His emotions cause him to disobey God, which results in him losing all that he desperately wants to hold on to. Emotions are a powerful force in our lives. To a large extent, they determine the trajectory of our lives. The stakes may not be as clear for us as they were in Saul's life. They are no less real. Our emotions will determine how our life proceeds. If our emotions are rooted in the world, the results will be bad. If our emotional foundation is God, our our lives will align with God. The result of this alignment will be a flourishing life. In the verses we just read, King Saul disobeys a command from God. Last week, we read the command that was given to Saul by God in verse 3 of this chapter. Saul and the Israelites were supposed to destroy the sheep and the oxen, all the livestock that came into their possession from the Amalekites. After the battle... Samuel gets word that Saul has not done what has been commanded. When Samuel goes to verify, Saul approaches him. Saul says, blessed be you to the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. Samuel's response is dripping with sarcasm. He knows Saul hasn't done what God commanded Because the livestock that were supposed to be killed are loudly proclaiming their continued existence as barnyard animals tend to do. So at this point, Saul changes tactics. He tries to blame the Israelites that he is supposed to be leading. He says, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. It was the people. Samuel has no patience with Saul. He proclaims, stop. Just stop. The anger and frustration Saul feels is obvious. Samuel feels is obvious. We've all been in situations like this before. Somebody close to us will fail in some way. And when confronted, they make excuses as Saul does, as the person who falls short stumbles over themselves to explain why they are not the problem. All the person hearing the excuses wants is for them to shut their mouths. There are few things more annoying to deal with in life than a person claiming Something isn't their fault when it is absolutely their fault. 
Not only is the person refusing to take responsibility for what has already happened, their refusal to own their failure means they are going to behave in the same way moving forward. Saul and any that are like him are just going to keep on messing up in the same way until they take ownership for their failures. The frustration Samuel feels mirrors God's own frustration. Last week, we explored the regret God felt in response to Saul's failure. God regretted making Saul king. He he sighed at it. This regret was not just because Saul sinned. There was more to it. David, King David, messed up frequently in ways as bad as, if not worse than, how Saul messed up in these verses. God never says he regretted making David king. A significant difference is that David always eventually took responsibility for his failures. He accepted the consequences of his failures and changed his way. David repented, whereas Saul excused. Saul's excuse making and the disobedience that preceded it are both rooted in the same personal flaw. Saul is emotionally insecure. This, this is not my assessment of the situation. Samuel points this out in verse 17 saying, Though you are little in your own eyes, are you not the head of the tribes of Israel? Okay, for, for those of you that are not as familiar with the Old Testament, Saul had every reason to think highly of himself. Back in 1 Samuel 9-2, we're first introduced to Saul before he's king. And we are told that he stood a head higher than all the other Israelites. He was a tremendously tall man for his time. And that he was also apparently incredibly handsome. So the mental image that we should have in modern day is kind of like the quarterback of the team that looks like Brad Pitt. That's what we're supposed to envision when we see Saul. But despite these physical attributes, Saul thought little of himself. This was the person that God, through Samuel, anointed king over Israel. God had put Saul in a position of authority. He was God's representative. God had chosen him on purpose. However, Saul, he's insecure. He's scared of the people he's supposed to be leading. Despite his personal gifting and his special calling from God, he's insecure. Saul's actions make sense when we understand his insecurity. The first thing in today's verses that Paul, Saul is reported as doing is building a monument to himself. 
And I think, well, like, that doesn't really sound like, that doesn't sound like something an insecure person would do, right? Like, build a monument to yourself? But you would be wrong. Insecure people think that if they can get everyone else to validate how good and important they are, then they will finally believe it themselves. Saul is not unusual in building a monument. He is desperate for others to acknowledge him in the same way insecure people today show their desperation for the approval of others by buying fancy cars or building big houses or constantly posting on social media about how great their life is. Monuments, whatever their form, are just desperate cries for validation from insecure people. There is a straight line between Saul's emotional insecurity and the sin he commits. This is often true for people. The young woman that is sleeping around is attempting to gain affirmation that she has value. The middle-aged man that works himself to death is doing the same. The older person who obsessively refers back to their past accomplishments is trying to convince themselves and others that their life mattered. A secure emotional foundation must be rooted in God. We talk a lot about God being the starting point for truth. God created what is true he knows all that is true. All truth that doesn't align with God's truth isn't really true. Flawed truths will lead to, to bad outcomes. A life constructed on the shifting truths of this world will inevitably collapse. Christians are trying to align our knowledge in the world with God's truth. We expend effort to understand theology and all that is true of God for this reason. And that is certainly time well spent. Just as God is the starting point for intellectual truth, so God is the starting point for emotional truth. God is completely stable. All other ground is sinking sand. This is as true emotionally as it is intellectually. An emotional life that is securely rooted in God's truth will not be subject to the instability of this world. Such a person would be like the tree planted by living waters described in Psalm 1. They will produce fruit in its season and they will not wither in the face of adversity. Any person whose emotions are securely rooted in God 
will act in ways that align with God's purposes for them. When Christians talk about how to live, we often talk about the commandments that the Bible gives us. There are plenty of commandments. Do not steal, lie, or cheat. We, we tell people to be generous with their time and with their money. And all of these things are correct to avoid or do. Having an affair or being greedy, it may make you feel good emotionally in the moment, but good feeling emotions don't make any action good. We know what we should do based on what God expects of us. Christians, but we are called to more than just following the rules. Christianity is not an ethical system by which we know how to operate in the world. It's more than that. Some of the people that are the best at following the rules have emotions that are completely contrary to God. In Jesus' parable of the prodigal son, we see that the older son, he's great at following the rules, even as his heart is filled with resentment towards the Father. Christianity is a relationship with the living God through Christ by the Holy Spirit that changes our behavior, yes, but it also changes us emotionally. A Christian who is growing in their relationship with God should be seeing their emotions change over time. Emotional change and behavioral change go hand in hand. The outcome of our lives will largely be determined by our emotions. Saul's emotions lead him to tragedy. He rejects God. Notice this rejection, it's, it's not intellectual. I'm sure that Saul's theology is still pretty good. He doesn't deny the existence of God at any point. He rebels against God. Out of an emotional fear, the people he is supposed to be leading will reject him. This is the problem with Saul. It's the problem with many people. Saul is physically strong. He is emotionally weak. Samuel makes clear that this emotional rebellion is as bad as divination. Divination is a demonic activity that in the Old Testament was punishable with death. Because Saul has rejected God as the basis for emotional truth, God rejects him. God rejects him as king over Israel. Saul's sin has resulted in what he most feared. He loses everything that he was clinging to in this world 
to give him an identity. Saul's emotional security is tied to his worldly status. Unfortunately, this is not a stable arrangement. His lack of a secure emotional foundation in God means that he loses the worldly status he desperately seeks to maintain. Our emotions will determine our lives. If our emotions are tied to this world, we will lose what we want to hold on to most de desperately. Hopefully this will not turn out as badly as it did for Saul. His whole family was destroyed by his emotions. He died on a battlefield next to his son, who he had alienated from himself significantly. While that is not the story of most people today with emotions that are based on this world, it's a lot more common than it needs to be. Many families continue to be demolished by the emotions of a family member. Sometimes it gets so bad, a, a mother will cut off relations with a daughter or two brothers will refuse to speak anymore. This happens even in Christian families, even in families that still get together regularly. You can see the emotional wreckage wrought by emotions that are based on this world. There is so much hurt and pain caused by emotions and families, friendships, and within the church. So what is our hope? What do we cling to? God is the only reliable basis for our emotions. That's what we're going to be looking at in the coming weeks. When he is our foundation emotionally, we have a solid foundation from which to live. Obeying his command, it no longer becomes an obligation, a burden we bear. Instead, his commands should be an outworking of the desires of our heart, of our emotions. A person who has their emotional foundation in God can be a healing presence in all their relationships instead of an additional source of breakdown. The stability that is possible for us when God is our foundation through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit is then extended into the world. We can point others to the emotional stability that can only be found in God. If you want to know where your life is headed, inspect your emotions. And I don't, I don't say this to create a sense of shame or, or even a sense of guilt. I say this because if Saul had been capable of inspecting his emotions, if he had been capable of true repentance, his outcome would have been different. Emotions are a significant aspect of character, and character is destiny. We may not be able to predict exactly how, but emotional instability, emotions based on this world, will eventually lead to a collapsing life. God, through Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, 
is the only sure emotional foundation. When our emotions are based on who God is and who He says we are, our lives will not be susceptible to the pitfalls Saul experienced. We need to look to God as our emotional starting point. Doing so will sustain us in all areas of life. The fruit that results will align with God's expectations for us communicated in his commands to do what God commands. Our emotions need to be rooted in God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Dear Lord, the, the story of Saul is a sad one. It's a story that ends tragically, Lord. And it's a story that we want to avoid reproducing in our own lives or, or seeing in the lives of the people we care about. And Lord, any attempt we make to base our emotions on this world inevitably lead us down the, the path that Saul took. Lord, I pray that we would repent of that. I pray that we would not see ourselves, that we would not live emotionally within the, within the dynamics of this world, but that we would root ourselves in you, that you would be our emotional starting point, and that through the work of Christ and through the Holy Spirit, that our emotions would be restored so that we can live the life that you have called us to. I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.